This episode of the Failed to Fail podcast is brought to you by our friends at At Computers. At Computers has been providing Southwest Florida with IT solutions since 2004. They specialize in medical clinics, animal medical clinics, businesses large and small, break fix, laptop repair, desktop repair, online backups, two-form authentication, and online antivirus protection. And right now, between December 1st, 2019 through January 1st, 2020, At Computers is proud to offer a discounted sale on their online backup. Right now, you can get your online backup at $0.10 a gig for the first year. So give them a call at 239-283-1120 and say the word podcast to get your online backup at $0.10 a gig per month for the entire year of 2020. Uh, First and foremost, share us with all of your friends. The best way to build an audience for a podcast is through word of mouth. As you know, you can download the Fail to Fail podcast at our website, failtofail.com, or download it on Apple Podcasts, Google Music Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Pretty much anywhere fine podcasts are available. And while you're at it, please check out our website, failtofail.com. Click on the Amazon link, save it to your desktop or your toolbar. And whenever you shop on Amazon, just go ahead and click on that link. As, as we like to say in my other podcast, it will not cost you a... But they will send us a few coins, and that will help support the show, help us buy new equipment, and bring you fine, fine content. And last but not least, while you're there, go ahead and click on that Patreon link. We have three tiers. we got the Dollar Baller plan. Cost you $1 a month. They simply take $1 a month out of your account. They're not going to hit you for 12 bucks for the full year. It's just a dollar a month. Same with the $3.50 plan, which ironically is called the OG5 plan, but we will get into that later. And, of course, we have the Long Arms Deep Pocket plan. That one is $7.50 a month. If you sign up for that plan after month two, I will email you and I will send you a link to choose the t-shirt of your liking from the Digital 410 t-shirt store. Any of our podcast shirts, including the Fail to Fail podcast, we will send your way. Thank you guys so much. And on with the show. Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the Fail to Fail podcast with your host, Don Abernathy. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Failed to Fail podcast, your uh, new favorite motivational podcast. I don't know. I just stole that uh, intro from the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast. I got way too many podcasts going on, but that's all good because that's what we're here to do, to bring you continued entertainment. Today's guest is Angie McGilvery. She is the founder and proprietor of Apex Physical Therapy, which is located throughout all of Fort Myers and Cape Coral and has multiple satellite offices. Angie, how are you doing today? Hi, good morning, Don. I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, one of the things we do on this podcast to give people a little background history is uh, let's get started back where it all began. Um, at what point did you decide that you wanted to get into physical therapy? Oh, great question. Um, I was about 15 years old, and I had an injury to my knee, and I fell in love with the profession at that time. And then out of high school, when I started college, I began volunteering, which turned into a paid internship for a physical therapy uh, practice um, as well, so I could get a lot more experience and uh, really submerge myself into the profession. So um, I, I I was pretty lucky that early on I knew what where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. Now, as you went through college and you got all your degrees and certifications and physical therapy and all the things relating to that, once you graduated, did you work for another firm or did you just decide to jump in full feet and just open your own practice? 
Yes, so I did work for another practice for about five years um, up in the Chicago suburbs, and um, it was a great mentoring uh, opportunity for me. Um, I was able to, they basically put me in a clinic that was a brand new startup and said, okay, here you go. Um, so I really had the opportunity of almost growing my own practice without it being my own practice. So that, that was invaluable, priceless. Um, but then about five years of long winters and no sun and cold went by until we finally said, that's it. Um, we're packing up everything into the U-Haul. We're moving to Florida and that's where we'll start our own practice. Well, you kind of answered a question I had coming up, which was, you know, five years in a, in a, um, op- in a career before you take the big risk of going out and starting your own practice was rather short. But as you said, having the opportunity to basically essentially open your own practice but on someone else's dime because, yes, it was somebody else's practice, but you were basically acting manager and running it as if it was yours. Do you think if that wasn't the case, if you were just a, a PT at someone else's long-term practice, if you would have taken the risk to make that leap so early? That's a great question, John. Um, you know, I, I, I do. I, I do still believe that, that that would have happened. I knew very early on, um, when I had made the determination that, yes, I'm going to be a physical therapist, I also had the, the goal and the mindset of uh, not only am I going to be a PT, but I'm going to have my own practice someday. And I think that kind of entrepreneurship is just in my DNA a bit because there, there, there really wasn't ever a, a different avenue um, to, to go down. There really wasn't ever another choice. <laughs> Well, I think using the phrase in your DNA is perfect because as you were saying that, I'm sitting here thinking about myself and other people I know who run their own business. And I think the one thing we all have in common is a deep, incensed grain of independence and uh, basically the reluctant to work for other people. I mean, um, I've been running my own business since '04, but there was a span for about five and a half years where I went and worked in radio. <clears throat> and I loved working in radio and I loved doing the afternoon show so much, but it reminded me working in that corporate environment and having to do the all the all the minutia stuff that the, so that corporate can check a box off the list. Not that they truly cared about anything, but just to cover their own butts as far as you know uh, certain meetings about different things. It's just like it reminded me. Oh yeah, this is why I got out of the corporate world, quote unquote, and started my own business because I do better working for myself. I'm extremely self-motivated. I'm very critical about other people's management skills and how they don't manage properly. And it just reminded me, oh, yeah, this is why I don't like working for other people. I just need to do my own thing. And and it's it, like you said, it's in your DNA. Yeah, I, I would agree. I've had um, my, my friend as well as my accountant now for, gosh, almost all the way back since we opened up Apex. Um, he tells me pretty much every time we meet, <laughs> he will make the comment of, yes, and you, you, you can't ever work for somebody else. Like you just, you just can't. <laughs> so he, he also, as, as he is in business for himself as well, he also reminds me of, of the, that same fact. So I do agree with you, with you, Donis, as that goes. But well, also, I think, as you said, we you know we have to be self-aware too, because just because we want that independence and we want um, some of that freedom and control, we also need to be self-aware that it's something that we um, are also good at. 
you know, that, that we're good at leading others and we're good at inspiring a team and we're good at, um, you know, having uh, bigger goals and bigger visions for, for us to carry out. Um, because I, I do think that, that without that sort of, those sort of qualities and, and having that drive, um, you know, people can say, oh, yeah, I'd love to own my own business. But the, if they don't have that, that awareness of what kind of really has to go into it, um, you know, success might not happen their way. So. Yeah, I think one of the misconceptions by people who never owned their own business or even worked in a higher management position is they just assume if you have your own business that it's successful and that you're rich. But for most of us, I think for the first 10 to 12 years, the only difference between having your own business and working for somebody else is there's no such thing as a paid holiday. And if you're not working, there's no money coming in. And so <laughs> if, you don't, if you're not a workaholic and a self-motivator, um, you're just destined to fail from the time you signed that bank loan. Yes, so true. Um, patience. Um, that's the word that I just thought of uh, as you were saying all of those things that I think resonate, as you said, with every single um, business owner and entrepreneur. And, and patience is, is really the key. You know, most people um, want the... Um, you know, the immediate gratification, that, that instant, um, yay, I worked really hard this week, so my paycheck next week is, is going to reflect that, mm. as opposed to the, yay, I've worked really hard these last 15 years, so now maybe, um, you know, I can, I can you know, do whatever that is that's, that's important to that person. So, so patience is definitely something that we have to have. Yeah, it's more like for the first 10 years, yay, I worked really hard this week, I can afford to pay my employees, but I'm not going to check. <laughs> <laughs> So true. And the second important thing is the ability to um, see in other people potential so that you can assign them the task that you don't have the, that are very important, but that you can't overwhelm yourself with taking care of, whether it's office management, scheduling this, that, and the other thing. If you don't have the ability to see potential in other people and to trust other people to do important but things that just you don't have time for, um, you're going to have a very hard time running a successful business as well because there's just not enough time in the day to do all those things yourself. Yes, exactly. And I think that goes back to, again, that, that self-awareness of knowing what you are good at and where you're, where you can really shine in, in what portion of your business and then knowing in what other portions you know, you're not so great at and you should be delegating others that have uh, different traits and different characteristics and can really shine in those roles, you know, to do that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, I agree with you because sometimes the, the, the initial startup, you know, we want to do everything and it's our baby and we want to be in control of all of the things. And as you said, at some point that's just not a sustainable model. And I think one of the things that led to your success early on is your ability to think outside of the box, as cliche as that is. And an example that I, I always think of when I think about you guys and what you did is you looked around at your geographical location, you looked around at your uh, demographics, and you realized, okay, I'm in Florida. We got a high number of um, elderly people or people who have uh, physical ailments due to age and due to repetitiveness. And a lot of these people, especially down here, they live in certain locations like gated communities or they, they've retired and they've, they've acquired their dream to live on a golf course. And all these things had one thing in common, which are country clubs. And you figured, well, kind of like I do in the computer industry, 
it's easier to um, bring clients on. Well, easier may not be the right word, but um, it's more enticing to the client if I'm able to either come to them or come closer to them, opposed to them driving all the way across town and dealing with traffic. And one of the things you guys did early on is you would find country clubs that had a room available near their, their gym, and you would send uh, physical therapists out there so that the clientele didn't have to travel across town. They just had to get up, get dressed, and go down the country club and set up a time to, to meet with you guys. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, everything that our North Star here at Apex is, is customer excellence by far. So having less friction for our customer or consumer, um, i.e. going to them, um, you know, making it making it easier in that respect, um, it was was a great a great uh, growing path that that we went on as well as um, uh, the j- just the the ease of, of care you know we're, we're right there you drive your golf cart you know here you come and it allowed us to build um, a lot of relationships with our community and that's really that's really what it's all about is you know we're here to service the community and we're here um, to serve those who need our assistance. And the only way that we can do that effectively is to put ourselves out there even more effectively and let them know what it is that we can provide and what it is that we can, we can do for them to make them um, live a better, healthier life. And I think one of the other things that definitely led to the recent um, you know, success at what you guys do, uh, you and your husband both, um, or both physical therapists, you both work obviously for the same business, but you guys both practice what you preach. And I, I think there's a big problem, especially when it comes to medical or even school teachers for that matter, where um, you'll hear them talk about diet and exercise, diet and exercise, but you look at them and you're like, well, clearly you're not doing either one of them. But uh, you, <laughs> you and your husband both, um, we're going to fast forward a little bit, but you guys really took what you preach and you took in your own life and you both got heavy into, let's just say more of the um, – upper echelon of fitness, you guys start doing the CrossFit stuff, you guys start doing the obstacle course races, and that's really um, changed, you probably didn't think about it at first, but you guys start to look around and the people you started to meet, because as you know, if you're a runner or a CrossFitter or an obstacle racer, that is a very tight-knit community, and once you create that networking and that trust with people, then um, just like anything else, whenever they have a problem, you're the one they reach out to, and you guys were doing this for quite a few years, and then all of a sudden you, you, you start saying, well, hey, there's a need here for these guys. You know, we've been doing all these years of doing physical therapists on, you know, regular athletes and, you know, people who have long-term, you know, repetitive illnesses, but here are people who this new up-and-coming, you know, scene of CrossFit and obstacle racers, they have certain specific needs for recovery for their type of activity, and you guys have really recently started focusing your um, half of your um, practice towards that, correct? Yes. Um, that has been over the last um, probably two years especially has been our growth model um, to be able to service that that community, as you were mentioning, Don. And the you know, the, the real piece of it is, is that that is, as you, as you said, that is Joe and I's passion. Um, that is that is our love, you know that that fitness, the nutrition, that the active. That 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 is you know that is me. I, I love it, and so to be able to provide 
others um, with, you know, reduction in pain or improved movement or change uh, movement compensations and, and to make, help them perform better and do the same thing that I know they're just as passionate about um, has really blended itself well. Um, and from a, from the macro perspective, our business, um, you know, you, you never want to be too to all of your eggs in one basket, I guess is the saying that they use. So, you know, that is part of, was part of the diversification uh, and growth plan of Apex as well was, yes, we've been able to develop a great relationship with our snowbirds and with the Medicare community and with, um, you know, kind of our, our general population here, but, but we would also like to really make sure that we're servicing that, that higher, more elite level athlete, um, uh, with CrossFit and, and uh, even, you know, our, our higher level runners, our marathoners, um, our obstacle course Spartan racers and, and all of that. So it's been it's been a wonderful, wonderful transition. And I, I've never been happier about uh, getting to do what I do every day. <laughs> well, and one of the things I've experienced recently, because I've really tripled down on my fitness and I'm down 40 pounds. My fiance is down 40 herself. And I just completed my first Savage Race last weekend. But um, So awesome, by the way. Uh, hour and 48 minutes. Seven wow, miles, 28 obstacles. I was able to complete 26 of the 28. Uh, the last three, my arms were just spent. Going into it, I knew that I had my grip and upper body were going to be a weakness, but I did complete a lot of the monkey bar style. And so, um, be honest with you, the one that really kind of threw me for a loop was the uh, the ramp, the wall, if you will, the, the quarter pipe. Uh, that was a lot harder than I was expecting. And another one where they had the poles where you got to hang from and basically reverse commando crawl over water um, when I put my leg over it, I started getting calf um, cramped real bad. I had to get off and start stretching, but that one really surprised me. But um, my whole point to that is, as I've gotten into this, and I've seen other people get into it, and I know other people who've gone through some weight loss, and I guess there's part of me, I get frustrated when I see people who think that um, it's harder than it really is, and... And I'm not talking about obstacle course races. I'm just talking about getting into fitness, you know, whether it's going to the gym for 20 minutes or just walking around your neighborhood or maybe jogging. And I guess maybe I have a higher, um, I realize people's potential is higher than they think it is themselves. And, and I see people who are struggling with, you know, health and this and that. And it's just, I look at it because now that I've done it and I realize, yes, it's, it's a commitment, but after all, any habit you want to make and or break you just got to do it for 25 days or not do it for 21 days and then you, you form that habit and I don't know I just now that I've done it I, I realized I think the expectation of doing it is harder than the physical attributes of doing it and, and I just get frustrated that I don't think people realize that um, they have higher you know potential than they really do and it's just like it's not that hard just try a yes. little bit Yes, the, the potential, and you hit you hit the nail on the head there, is making the decision to do it. That's the hardest part. The, the doingness of it, the, you know, the, the, the curling the weights, the running the two miles, the, you know, the, the squatting, the, the, the pull-ups, whatever it is, that's not the hard part. It's actually making the decision to execute on it, you know, and that's, that's where once you can get over that, 
um, that obstacle, <laughs> quote unquote, um, you're right. Like, it's not that hard. So making that decision and making it a, a habit is 100% where I see people struggle too. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that I like to preach and I like to um, remind individuals because one of the biggest things I hear too is that, you know, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest excuses that, that I'll hear. And, um, you know, I will let them know, like I, you know, my schedule is, is just as packed as yes. yours, yes. but or more. I choose or more, <laughs> but I choose to execute on this and do and, and do my, my fitness and training on a very regular basis because if I didn't, I would not have the strength, the energy, the mental clarity, uh, the focus, the stamina to serve in my business and in my family and the rest of my life. So it, 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 it's all about, um, you know, what that part of my life, what that, that fitness and nutrition part of my life allows me to do and, and the success it leads to all of the other avenues. Um, so that, that's what I would really, that's what I really like to, to let people know. And, and anybody can do it. The, the potential is there, 100%. Well, you just got to make decision to do it. Exactly. And, you know, kind of like you're talking about your schedule, as I referred to previously when I was working two jobs, when I was working in radio, I was getting up at 5 in the morning, doing at computers, doing a radio thing from noon until 7 o'clock, going home, eating dinner, and then still finding an hour to go to the gym or I'd go back to work. And what I would tell, what I would tell people is, is since I do computer work all day, my job is to be at certain locations at a certain time, usually for an hour to an hour and a half. How I would make it work in my schedule is I would treat going to the gym like another job I had to do before my day was over. And so if you find a way, looking at your own schedule, your own lifestyle thing, well, okay, well, you find time to take your kids to um, their sports or their extracurricular activity three times a week, uh, just pencil in your schedule, hey, there's two days where i got to take myself to do my extracurricular activity or whatever. And there's always there's – always, a way to find time but more importantly and you hit it right on the head and Carrie and I talked about this on the last episode living with lupus Carrie has lupus and she has fibromyalgia she was diagnosed with it four years ago maybe uh, well she's had lupus turns out forever but she just found out about it and now it's all hit oh okay now I realize why I had all these side effects my whole life but when yeah. she first started looking into it, she was joining all these support groups, and everybody's talking about how, well, you're not going to have any energy, you're going to have spoons, you can only use so many spoons a day, then you're going to wipe yourself out. And so even though I have been running and exercising for all these years, she would look at me and say, well, I can't do it, I don't have the energy, i got lupus. Well, about three or four months ago, she was looking through Facebook, and a colleague of hers who works with her just finished a um, Spartan race and with the hashtag, a lupus won't win. And she's like, wait a minute, what? And so That's awesome. she reached out to her at school and said, you have lupus? Yeah. Well, I'm seeing you're doing these 5Ks, these 10Ks, these Spartan races with your husband. How are you doing it? And she's like, well, it's hard, but it's all mental. And I had been trying to get Carrie to run or go to the gym. She's had a membership for three years, never used it. But she always went back to, well, I'm on these support groups, and they all say, I can't do it, I can't do it. And so no matter what I did, I couldn't motivate her because everybody's motivated by something different. But just seeing one photo, one post by one person who's living the same thing that she is, i.e. someone with lupus, that's all it took. And now Carrie's running, and she's done her first 5K. Um, every night she runs, she does a minimum of two, two to three miles. 
And yes, it she's exhausted when she gets home, but she's she's decided she wants to do it, and she's decided that the mental aspect of telling herself all these years that she couldn't do something because she has, you know, an ailment, she decided to turn around and say, I can do it despite the fact. And it's all, it's so much of it's in your head. And you can be running down the street yelling, I can't do this. But the irony is you're doing it while you're telling yourself you can't do it. And so instead of saying, I can't reverse that to I can, and it's so much in your head. And, you know, we know the military teach that to their soldiers and their Marines and to their, Air Force officers in boot camp, that's what they're teaching you, is your body can do so much more as long as you get your brain behind it. So, so true. And and there's a, a thing also that, that summarizes that same thing. You know, your your mind will quit before your body does. And and that's 100%, 100% the way it works. If you're, as you said, if you're doing something and you say to yourself, oh, I can't do another rep, you're not going to do another rep. Nope. <laughs> if you say to yourself, just one more, you're going to do one more. And then just keep saying to yourself, just one more, one more rep, one more, you know, one more step. And, and sometimes um, when I'm training, like, like Terry, you know, and I'm running and I'm like, oh, my gosh. As soon as I start hearing myself say, I don't know if I can go any faster. I don't know if I can go any further. You switch that mindset to just one more, just one more step or let me just get to that tree or mm-hmm. how about I just get to that mailbox? Or let me just finish this mile. Whatever it is, you tell yourself that. Guess what? You're still you're going to keep going. Um, so yeah, the, that, the that's mind- wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that that she has that she has found fitness. And you know, just from the the medical and the science side of things, anybody who is dealing with um, autoimmune type conditions, such as she, I mean, exercise is a fantastic medicine for it. So I'm, I'm so proud of her. That's awesome. Yeah, the mental saying we all like to say, and it's true, is anybody can run a mile. Now, it's easier to say that when you're on mile one, but even when I was doing my Savage Race, I was at mile six, and I'm winded and dying. I just told myself, anybody can run a mile. I saw the one mile to go. I said, anybody can run a mile. And, and I tell myself that a lot. And one of the things we like to um, suggest to people, regardless if it's fitness, uh, playing a violin, um, painting, skateboarding golfing find other people who are a little bit or a lot better than you and the motivation that comes with that when i started running and i you know because i blew my elbow out and i made that transition from the treadmill to the street um doing it by myself you're 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 quick to get unmotivated you're quick to stop but find you know find a run group on facebook whatever or school wherever and even if it's two or three other people, especially if they've been doing it longer than you, you would be surprised. Um, one of the things I point out on here, especially when you do your first 5K or 10K or Spartan or whatever, is what I call the pack instinct. Um, you can go out and run by yourself all the time, and your time will be at a certain point. But just running around four to five other people, your time improves because you have the pack instinct, and you're naturally trying to get ahead of certain people or stay behind certain people. And you tend to run further and longer because of the pack is running that same distance. There was a while I was running downtown every Sunday, running from the Edison um, Country Club all the way down 41, up over Edison Bridge to Pondella and back because the people I was running with were training for half marathons. So I'm out running 12 miles in one day. Now that I quit running with them, I'm maxing out at seven or eight. But just because I was doing it with a group of people who were training for something way higher than what I was doing... I was benefiting from it. Yes, that 
That's wonderful. Um, I, and I also think, um, as, as you were saying, Don, you and, and Carrie have kind of found this shared passion in, um, in running together and, and, and in doing some of your training together. Um, you know, Joe and I have done the same thing, and, and we do a lot of our um, training together, and we, we run a lot of our races um, together as well. And the inspiration um, of that, again, you know, there might be some days that I don't feel like doing it, and there might be some days that he doesn't feel like doing it, but together we're stronger, mm -hmm. and we kind of push the other person to, to, to go at it. Um, as well as I'm sure you can attest to just the bond that that creates with your significant yes. other when you're able to achieve goals like that and, um, you know, watch each other uh, succeed and progress. Uh, it really is has been a, um, a great a, a great thing for our personal relationship um, as well. Oh, absolutely, and and you kind of touched on it. Carrie and I, I've been joking around, I'm going to make t-shirts that's going to say, um, share the pain, run with friends, because we often say, I don't run for the feeling I get while I'm running, because <laughs> sometimes, I mean, your knees are hurting, your ankles are hurting, your body's hurting. I run for the feeling that I get after the run is over, and so many people yeah. in run groups, and whether it's CrossFit or whatever, you know, the the actual activity can be rather discomforting, but once again, that's where the mental aspect comes into it. And once it's done, that's one of the things that creates that bond you were talking about is the fact that you both suffered through the same discomfort and you both achieved it and you're both going to go out and do it again tomorrow. And so you have that shared experience. Yes, absolutely. So if, if any, you know, if, if we can inspire one person today the same way that Carrie was inspired by that one post, um, I think that, that that would be it. If you haven't started your fitness journey, find another person, find, you know, your significant other, find a, a gym that does, you know, small group classes, um, like you said, run clubs, another, uh, some other group activity, and, and begin as, as a pack and, and as a group. And that suffers together mentality and getting to high five and fist bump and whatever it is at the end of of your workout together um that is that is just so so motivating um and and that's really what what allows you to make that decision like we talked about in the very beginning that that decision to execute that's the hardest part so and that and you got to have realistic expectations no one's going to expect you to get off the couch and go run three miles um walk walk around the block Next time, walk around two blocks. Next time, three blocks. Next time, maybe quick walk. Or, you know, you're first getting in the jogging. Jog around the block until you can't. Then walk. Walk until you get your breath back. Then jog a little bit more. No one just gets up and goes out and runs a 5K. They got they got to train for it. And everybody starts the same way. You jog until you run out of breath, and then you walk. And then once you get your breath back, you jog more. And if you have your expectations set appropriately, um, it will help prevent you from getting de demotivated by the fact that you think, well, I should be able to keep the same pace with this person, but that person's been doing, running for two years. There's no way, you know, fresh, you know, you're two months into it. There's, it's an unrealistic, unrealistic expectation to think that you can keep a pace with someone who's been running for two years when you've been doing it for three months. And so you have to keep that expectation in check or you will quickly get demotivated and not just running, but anything really. That's, that's right. Um, I, 
it, it, it's easy sometimes like in the, in CrossFit or even in, in Spartan race, you know, to, to compete against others. Um, you know, you see somebody else going faster than you up, you, you know, you want to speed up or somebody else did a workout quicker than you or lifted more than you. You think, oh man, like I, I didn't do, you know, well enough or good enough, but, um, getting outside of that mindset and, you know, I really put myself in every workout that I do and every race I run and everything, you know, I, I'm competing with myself. That's the that, best that's part it. about and it. That's the framework that I always start with is, is that this is only about you. Can, mm-hmm. can you beat your time? Can you beat, you know, this work? Can, can you finish this? Can you, whatever that goal is, has, and, and if you stay focused on, on you and your intention, um, you know, the, the result is, is that much, is that much greater. You got to live for the PR, personal record. That's right. That's right. It's, That's right. It's like I told Carrie. You know, we talked about this on the last episode. The night before Carrie's first five k, she's like, "I can't do this. I'm not gonna be able to do this. I can't run three point two miles when we got running without walking." I'm like, "You're not. You're not taking in consideration um, the pack instinct. You're not thinking about the adrenaline." She's a. I can't. Long story short, she went out. She did it. Not only did she do it, but she got fourth place in her age group. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic! Yeah, so she, so I think we're going both going to go out and do the um, the Thanksgiving Day um, one around her Arena. But let's talk about yeah, the turkey trot. Yeah, right? yep. Trot. Yeah. Now you're uh, you've worked your way up. Speaking of age groups, you're a uh, couple of your Spartan races. You're uh, finishing up at the top of your age group, were you not? Yes, thank you. Um, I I had two two podium races this year one was in miami that um i podium third in my age group and then the the other one was up in chicago um and i podium second in my age group so um yeah those are those are great accomplishments that i'm definitely definitely very proud of um but again you know just going out there and and trying to trying to compete and just get a better time and, and and do better each time and learn from from every race and you know, a little bit better, one percent better each race. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about signing up for the uh, one, the Savage Race that's in March already, so I got to get training on that. Um, well, you know, you know, there's a Spartan Race in December in Florida. Oh, is there? Well, Spartan Race, I don't know if I'm quite ready for that. There's a little hardcore. Um, they're a little bit more hardcore than the Savage Race. I think I'm going to get another Savage Race under my belt, and i really got to start working on my upper body, too, I think, because I've looked at some of the obstacles on those Spartan Races, and they're uh, they're pretty they're pretty intense. Yeah, you guys could absolutely do uh, do the uh, the sprint, the like the 5K one. Sure. You know? Yeah, that would uh, be awesome. Now, I kind of mentioned this before uh, on other episodes. One of the funniest things, and I'm sure you deal with this a lot because you're in physical therapy, one of the, and I I actually made this joke to somebody yesterday because they, they whenever you tell somebody run, there's always the same comment. You know, running's the worst thing you can do to your knees. Really, I think uh, <laughs> being sedimentary and um, not working out at all, and um, there's a hundred different things that are worse on your knees than running. And you know, it's yes, you can hurt yourself. But once again, anything that you do physically, whether it's play baseball, softball, uh, go to the gym, running, volleyball, think of all, and, and you see it all the time, all the high school and middle school, college level athletes who suffer some sort of injury. They don't let that potential for injury prevent them from run, doing that sport or that, that um, thing that granted them that college scholarship. 
yes, running's hard on the body, but anything worth doing, there's a potential for injury. And that's where you guys come into place. And that's where knowing your proper stretching before and after your activities and all that really comes to be beneficial. Yes. Um, so I, I do hear that sometimes, um, as you said, oh my gosh, it's terrible for your knees or this and that. And, and you're exactly right, Don. You know, the body is meant to move. Our bodies are not meant to be stationary um, objects. Our bodies are made to move. And when we move and exercise and stress our, our system, um, there's a whole cascade of wonderful, wonderful physiological things that happen. You know, we get increased blood flow to muscles and tendons. We get um, greater uh, forces through our, our bones. Our bones are stimulated. Our, you know, our heart rate and our lungs are stimulated. Our, our, our brain, we're, we're, make, we're rewiring new connections with every movement that we do. And so our brain health and our, our movement health, um, our, our organs get going. You know, we, we start to... We can eliminate waste products, and you know our whole our body just goes through this whole series of events because it's made to move. Oops, excuse me. It's made to move, and it's made um, it's made to undergo physiological stress because with that stress you build upon that, um, and and then you become it becomes easier to do other things, and, and your body just progresses. And so. Um, Movement is medicine. Exercise is medicine, and that's always been a tagline of ours. Um, and our and, and that is what we do. We either help you through, um, if you have pain or injury, um, you know, we can help you through how to how to get past that and how to move again um, effectively, efficiently, and without pain. And we also do preventative things as well. You know, I have uh, clients who come to us also who have goals of, hey, I, I want to hit this PR, I want to do this marathon, um, and I just, I need some more elite training, and I need to make sure I'm doing it in a preventative manner so I don't get injured. You know, so we see athletes on, on both sides of, of the spectrum. Well, I think you... you... I never thought about this before, but as you're saying how the body is made to move, one of the things I do in the computer world is when I talk to somebody who don't know anything about computers and it makes them, you know, fade off, I, I use a different, you know, uh, metaphor and I usually refer to cars. Perfect, perfect analogy for what you're saying. Here's a fun game. Let's go out and buy two cars, both brand new cars. Let's go ahead and take one, put it in storage. Don't do anything to it. Let it sit. Don't change oil. Don't do anything with it. Take the other car and make it your daily driver. Go on your trips. Change your oil regularly. Do all the regular maintenance to it. Take care of it. Don't go out and beat it up like it's a rental, but take care of it like you would a car. And then let's come back five, eight years later and compare the two. I guarantee you the brand new one that's been sitting in a warehouse that's never been ran, the tires are going to be dry rotted and flattened. The brake pads are probably going to be seized up. You'll be lucky um, because the oil has all ran down into the pan because it hasn't had movement. It hasn't been doing anything. All of the natural components of that car that are designed to keep it lubricated, to keep it moving, to keep it running because it sat without all that movement, that car is not going to run as well as your car, the other car that now has 64,000 miles on it but that's had regular maintenance that has been taken care of you will see a performance difference between those two vehicles and you would think, well, yeah, the one with the 60,000 miles isn't going to run as well. No, complete opposite. The one that sat there and not got lubed and didn't get taken care of, just sat there and was forgotten about, that one will be in the worst shape. The human body's the same way. 
you can get, you know, yes. if you're sitting around, you go, you know, you have a job sitting in the cubicle all day, then you you shuffle out to your car, you drive home, you shuffle into your living room, and you have Grubhub bring you food, or you, you know, and you just, that's your repetitive lifestyle every day, you will have more, you know, yes, you may not injure yourself, quote unquote, like someone who's out exercising and running, but long-term effects, your knees will break down quicker, you'll have more physical ailments, and your body just won't have the longevity as the other person who is actively risking short-term injury by doing, you know, movement and athletic things. But um, all in all, I think the um, quality of life is completely different between those two subjects. Yes, the car analogy is is absolutely great. Um, And you said, I mean, from the injury standpoint, yes, you are, when you're doing, you know, any form of athletics, of course, there's always that inherent risk of injury. But um, I know uh, there is science behind that the more you don't do as you said and the more you're that stationary car that gets parked in the garage your risk of developing disease processes and conditions such as heart disease um, uh, COPD diabetes autoimmune disease these sort of things you know the risk factor obesity the, the risk factor just goes through the roof so, you know, maybe you don't have an Achilles tendonitis or maybe you don't have, you know, a sore rotator cuff, but instead now you've got, uh, you know, propensity for a heart attack at the age of 62 plus type 2 diabetes uh, plus, you know, you're on oxygen and, and you're taking 17 medications. So, you know, which one of those sound better to you? <laughs> now, for those of you not familiar with the uh, term fatty liver disease, the reason you're not familiar with that is because it has just now become a thing. I was listening to a dietitian um, named Vinny Tortorich. He does his own podcast and his own um, documentaries. But anyhow, he was saying back when he was a kid, back in the 50s, 60s, and even through the 70s and 80s, the only people who acquired fatty liver disease were alcoholics who were suffering from cirrhosis of the liver. Because the way the body breaks down the enzymes. In the past, those were the only people that were suffering from fatty liver disease. But we are seeing it in children, especially adolescents, because of the poor diet and lack of exercise. And that the body is not breaking down these enzymes properly. And because so many kids live off of nothing but soda and monster energies and you know, not just monster, but all the energy drinks. And the diet is so bad, their carbon take is through the roof, their sugar intake is through the roof. And so not only are these children risking type 2 diabetes, but their liver is literally turning into what used to be reserved only for alcoholics. And it's really frightening. Yes. Yes. The same way, you know, we talked about that, that, that car analogy, Don. I, um, I do use the, the car analogy when I, I speak to my patients in general about nutrition. Um, you know, if, if you want your body to operate and to perform like a Ferrari. I don't know why I always use Ferrari. <laughs> but I always everybody do. knows. I guess everybody can relate to that one. I, you know, yeah, you'll confuse them if you say a Duesenberg. Yeah. If you if you want to perform like a Ferrari, how what kind of fuel do you need to put in it? Think about think about the fuel. Think about the high octane. Think about the, the oil changes. Think about think about that maintenance. Um, and, and that's really what you need to do, what the kind of fuel you need to be putting in your body in order to perform. If, if you're doing, you know, hamburgers, french fries, and soda and processed foods every day, 
you know, and expecting then your body to, to treat you and perform like a Ferrari, you got another thing coming. So, yep, I think that the car analogy goes a long way in, in all aspects like that. You know, and diet's the hardest part. Um, before I had my kidney stones, before I got my diet on check, and it's still, I got about 30% more to go, but before all that, I was going to the gym three times a week, but I wasn't losing any weight because I was consuming 12 to 13 Mountain Dews a day. I was drinking two Monster Energies a day, a five-hour energy. I was eating complete garbage candy all day long, and that's what really turned around for me was two things. One, two kidney stones at the age of you know 38, and um, going out and shopping for a size 38 pant. That's when I realized, okay, something's got to change. And for those of you who are driving around all day in the service industry, one of the things I did to help my diet was two things. One, I stopped buying french fries altogether. I still try not to get french fries. But two, if I really was in a pinch and I had to get fast food, I would go to Wendy's. I'd order two junior bacon cheeseburgers, no mayonnaise, no bun. They will put it in a potato boat. They would put lettuce on the bottom, tomato on top. Yes, the meat's still not the greatest in the world, but one, you're not getting the carbs from the fries. You're not getting the carbs from the bun. But more importantly, you can actually taste the flavor of the hamburger. I was surprised to find out how much the flavor is muted out by that bun. It's insane how, <laughs> how you can actually taste the salt. You can taste the cheese. And then, then the other thing I would do is I would just go to Publix, go to the deli counter. I'd get a quarter pound of Sausalito turkey, three pieces of uh, three pepper Colby. I would shred it up, eat it with a fork, and I refer to it as scraps. Now, it's all protein, no carbs, and it's high-quality stuff. I'm not going to the prepackaged, getting the Oscar Mayer bologna and all that nonsense. I would go get the higher-end boar's head, you know, turkey and cheese, and eat that with uh, water. And just, I basically, I knew because of where Carrie was that I wasn't going to be able to change our home dinner diet. But by just changing my breakfast, by swearing off all the donuts and changing my lunch, mm. by changing 60% of my day, when I got home and ate the spaghetti or the pizza or whatever, it didn't have as much of an impact because the rest of my day was already taken care of. And so my my intake was lower than, you know, my output. And that's a key part of it is just getting your mind wrapped around the dietary changes. And, and the phrase, and we've all heard it before, Diets are temporary. You got to make a lifestyle change. Yes, and you know, Don, what you did is 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 inspirational. And and what the piece of that that should be picked up on is that you know it doesn't mean when you hear the you know hear the word like nutrition or lifestyle change, it doesn't mean you have to turn everything upside down, completely inside out, and that it's this humongous, daunting task. It. It, it, it starts as simple as just changing one habit, one thing you do. Um, you know, maybe maybe for you that that first thing was, okay, I'm just going to change my breakfast. It's not going to be a donut. Instead, it's going to be, you know, whatever that was. Or I'm just going to change my lunch. It's not going to be the, the fries and the blah, blah, blah. It's, it's just going to be this public lunch meat. You one step at a time, and you start to feel, as I'm sure you did, the goodness and how, how much better your body is feeling and performing and how much clearer your mind is and how much more productive you are. And you're thinking, okay, now what's the next little step I can take? Yeah, the, pretty soon, you know, you're well, well on your way to changing your lifestyle for the better. And the irony of it was, is when I was drinking four or five, eight Mountain Dews plus three tall white monster energies and a five hour energy because I was working two jobs. When I left the radio station, I was falling asleep at stop signs. 
and stoplights. When I got rid of all the energy drinks and all the caffeine, I was actually on soda-free for an entire year up until Hurricane Irma. And then when I didn't have power for 16 days and no water, I had to save my, conserve my water from my animals. And, of course, sodas everywhere. Bottled water couldn't be found, and that's how I got off my. That's how I got back on the soda. But I'm still only uh, one a day. But anyhow, when I got rid of all the quote-unquote pick-you-up stuff, I stopped falling asleep at stoplights because I wasn't crashing at the end of the day. So even though I was working the same amount of hours, by not filling my, you know, back to the car analogy, how long long is it going to take for engine to blow up if you're constantly hitting that nitrous button? Well, that's what we're doing with the sodas and the energy drinks. We're just nailing that nitrous button. We're nailing that nitrous button. And after a while, your engine just gives out. And that's what was happening to me at the end of the day. And so now instead of hitting the nitrous, I just... I shift at the right times, and I keep my engine, you know, at the right speed, and I and I go a lot longer and perform a lot better. Yes, absolutely, because, you know, most of those things that, that you were using for your, your quote, pick-me-up um, are so laden with sugar mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that's, that's where you were, that's where you were crashing. You know, my, um, I, I do still intake some some caffeine in, in my diet but it's in the form of black coffee yep four and calories so you know that's that's where i'll get a little bit of a little bit of energy from but also um you know you, you look at some of the studies that are out there on black coffee and there there, there are uh, some good nutrition benefits um so again you know if, if, as long as you're not doing the frappa whatever's with all the whipped cream and the syrup and the everything else um, you know, again, that was that's one change that somebody can make. Okay, so maybe instead of my frappa, whatever, um, I'm I'm just going to get a coffee with maybe a little bit of almond milk to start, mm-hmm. and then you know you segue your way to to a black coffee. So, and it's yeah. so hard for the the guys and, and the girls who are doing service, whether they're you know bus drivers, uh, lawn guys, uh, internet cable guys, AC guys, plumbers, whatever. The the people who drive from job to job every day, they are also the ones who stop the gas station to fill up their tank more. And you walk in there, and it's just junk food galore. At my heaviest, every time I walked into a Seven Eleven, ooh, two glazed donuts for a dollar. There's a the deal I can't pass up. So I'm eating four or five donuts a day. Oh, let me get a pack of Reese cups and all that. And just getting out of that habit, where instead of going to get the Monster Energy, I would switch to the Arizona Energy that's been around since the '90s and it's all ginseng and not the the other crap. And instead of getting the donuts, I would go. And thankfully, a lot more of them now are starting to carry the nuts and the cheese and the you know the protein mm. packs. And I would switch over to that. And that helped dramatically as well. But to get back on course with you, um, one of the other things you guys have recently done is you guys are not afraid to research, try out, and invest in new technologies when it comes to recovery. And you guys helped me out with um, some extreme back pain that was uh, really slowing down my regiment. And through uh, the therapy you guys gave me along with the, um, as I referred to earlier, the stretch routines and and the movement routines, I still do those. I was at the gym last night doing dead bugs and, you know, child poses and all that, planks and all that stuff, and I try to do it before yeah. I run and after all that. Um, but explain some of the new technologies you guys are using. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, one of the biggest one of the biggest pieces is uh, our new fit technology. Um, it's N-E-U fit, uh, which is basically short for neurological fitness. Um, and it is a form of electrical stimulation, but very different than the common uh, TENS unit is what, you know, people typically uh, kind of compare it to. 
um, very different uh, from that. Um, it operates um, in, a, in an entirely different manner than the traditional stuff does without getting into too much of the, of the uh, techie stuff. Um, but basically, we're able to use it for, for two different purposes. First off, as you were saying, Don, um, if we've got somebody with pain or injury, um, we're able to actually utilize the technology to help reprogram those pain pathways. Um, our nerves communicate via electricity. So by utilizing the electrical current or electrical stimulation, we're able to make lasting changes um, through our nerves in order to decrease pain and then correct movement patterns so they are correct or, or so they are performed correctly and, and pain-free at that point. And this, this is how then you have that lasting gain. As you said, this was about a year or so ago that, that we worked together and you've been rocking it out since um, with, with some lasting relief. Um, the other um, way that we're able to use this technology is from a more um, athletic performance enhancement uh, standpoint. So uh, a different setting, but still same uh, philosophy of utilizing the electrical stimulation. Um, our nerves sti uh, stimulate our muscles, right? Our nerves are what communicates to our muscles and through electricity as well. So if we're able to stimulate um, our muscles through, as we're going through exercises, we'll say like a squat, for instance, and we're able to um, get extra stimulation to the muscles in the, in the glutes or in the quads or in the hamstrings, um, we're actually able to increase how many units of motor units, it's called, how many units we're firing in order to build strength uh, quicker, more rapidly, as well as building it, uh, bearing uh, stress on the joints. So, for instance, um, we'll take a, a lifter and have them, um, you know, deadlift, but deadlift with an empty bar with the machine on. And I tell you, two days later, they tell me they're more sore than and have felt more muscle change than um, doing deadlifts at their heaviest. Sure. So um, really, really super cool technology there. Um, it's um, up and coming. We were only the second physical therapy uh, clinic in the, uh, in the U.S. Um, after uh, uh, the first clinic was up in Tampa. We were the second to, to have this technology and uh, we've just seen some really, really great things. Well, the nice thing about the new fit as a patient who's used it is it's completely dialed in, no pun intended, to the user or to the patient. It's not, okay, I'm going to put this on and crank it up to eight. I'm going to start it low. We're going to have you do movements. And as you do movements, the discomfort's not the correct word, but the, the sensation you get from it, it lessens. And so as you're doing your movement, you're like, okay, crank it up one. And then they turn it up one or two. And then you go, oh, I can feel it. But as you move, your body gets used to it. It builds a tolerance to it. Or those muscles relax or those nervous systems start to reprogram. And before you know it, you have that thing completely cranked up. And it's and it's so nice to have the ability to tell the therapist, okay, turn it down a little bit. That's a little overwhelming. And so it, it is truly dialed into each specific patient, which is a great help in itself. Yes, that's right. Because everybody is everybody is different, and everybody does um, you know does adjust to it to it differently. So yes, as you were saying, on the the patient or the client is is always in control. Even though you know we're the ones spinning the dial, you guys are always in control. <laughs> 
Well, one of the, the nice things, and going back to the previous conversation about the lupus and being in the mind state, you're told, well, you can't do this because you have this disability um, or this disease. One of the exciting things that I've seen on through your guys' social media pages, and I don't know the young lady's name, but you do have a few patients who were, in fact, born or through circumstances got severe dis- disabilities, talking like barely can walk disabilities. And they probably spent a good portion of their life being told, well, this is your new life. Get used to it. And you've actually had people through therapy and your sessions who've been able to walk more than they have in years or at all and are actually going out and achieving their own PRs in whatever, in just life. And I think that's beautiful to see. Yes, yes. Um, You know, it's young in the research, you know, this is kind of the infancy um, of, of utilizing this technology from, for various um, neurological conditions or, or diseases, as, as you are saying. Um, but we do know that the, the risk factors or the harm is, is so minimal um, that it, 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 why not try? Why not, why not see, you know, what kind of gains we can make? And um, we've been able to you know, to just really provide PRs to people who didn't think that they could achieve certain things and, and get any type of of function and mobility back. Um, one comes to mind, I have a young gal who she's um, about 30, and um, she probably hasn't jumped in 20 years, I think. And um, we had her jumping on a trampoline, Um utilizing the new fit and just to see the smile on her face and, and, and watch her tell me that she hasn't jumped probably in, in 20 years, nor could she really remember the last time she jumped. Um, she, it, it was just, you know, it was, it was priceless. It's, it's what, you know, what we do to be able to change lives like that. It, it's just amazing. So I'm super excited for what the future brings with this technology and, and, am, and, and honored to be part of kind of the pioneering phase of it. Well, and that's one of the great things about uh, physical fitness at whatever level it may be is it always brings a smile to my face um, because when you see somebody who isn't able to do something that we all take for granted, whether it's jumping or standing or being able to walk three steps, um, Example, whenever I'm driving down the street and I see somebody who clearly just started their fitness regimen, maybe someone who's clearly 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 pounds overweight, and they're out there on that sidewalk and they're they're humping it down, I don't laugh, I don't snicker, I get the world's largest smile on my face, and I give them a big thumbs up, like, you go get it, man. You, you know, That's right. You're not sitting around, you're actually out there doing it. Same thing at the gym. I see someone who, who just started at the gym, they're you know overweight. I don't laugh. I don't snicker. Oh, I'm just like, I don't want to give them the physical thumbs up because they're like, well, who the hell? But I just, I just get the biggest smile on my face. They get it, man. It's up to you. Go out and do it. And you know, anybody who's maybe running their mouth, all that, those people are sitting at home on the couch. They're not going to be here. So don't even, don't even worry about that. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, everybody in the gym, regardless of what level of fitness they're at, they all have the same insecurities. They're all worried about everybody staring at them. So rule of thumb, no one's staring at you. They're all worried about whether or not they're getting stared at. So just go to the gym and do your own thing and just get it done. Don't worry. Don't think in the back of your mind people are laughing at you because everybody's too concerned about whether or not they're getting laughed at. So you're all on the same level playing field. Just go out and get it done. 
That's right. Everybody, everybody in, in their human nature is only worried about themselves. <laughs> so that's exactly right, Don. I, I always have the joke that the reason Planet Fitness has purple machines is it's hard to act tough when you're working out on a purple bench press. <laughs> well, Angie, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for everything you do. Um, why don't you go ahead and give out your guys' plugs, your uh, website, your social media handles, and everything else. And um, obviously there's going to be people who are listening to this who aren't in our general area, but um, I'm sure you would recommend if they suffer from any of these ailments to call their local physical therapist and see if they offer any of these new types of solutions. But uh, let's start with your website and your social media stuff. Uh, well, thank you so much, uh, Don, for uh, for chatting with me today, and um, this was a this was a great time. So, thank you as well. Um, so, you can find us on the web at apex a p e x p t florida dot com is our um, is our website. Um, apex Physical Therapy S W F L is our um, Instagram handle. Um, and you can also find us under Apex Concepts on Facebook. Um, and yes, please, if, if you have a, a lingering pain, if you have an injury, if you have something that's preventing you from starting your fitness um, regimen and or if it has bogged down your fitness and you're just not able to do what it is that you want to do, um, physical therapy is a great profession to um, to seek out, um, and I would, you know, we are movement experts. We are the musculoskeletal experts. So, so please don't hesitate to contact, um, you know, your local physical therapist for for some help. Um, additionally, the uh, there are maybe I want to say twenty to thirty sites across the country now that have. Uh, the, the new fit technology as I was talking about and if their website is new N-E-U dot fit um, and they do have an area where you can search um, I believe for a provider um, near you so and even if thanks again Don even if your provider doesn't have it uh, kind of like they used to say with the uh, cable stations if your local people don't have it call them up and pester them and more people call them up asking about that technology the more likely they are to invest in that sort of thing but, there you uh, go. Yes, you got a you got a Spartan race coming up here in the near future, do you? In about two weeks, yes. Oh. That's the last one of the season, so I'm excited. Yeah, there's a guy at the sure. Savage Race. He apparently competed in every single Savage Race this season. And, uh, oh, wow. One of the things that the Savage Race company did, they have never done this before, and um, people have been asking for it, and it's not something they're willing to do. But for this gentleman, they actually gave him a season pass for next year so that he can re recreate his success next year. So he's the only person in Savage history to get a season pass. So they're going to allow him to redo every course next year, assuming he's up to it. Well, that's awesome. I hope more people hear that story and are at least inspired to run their first one. Well, so that thank, would be great. Thank you for all you do, Angie, and you have a great day. You too, Don. Thank you. This has been a Digital 410 production. <laughs>